This is Cliff Mass, and welcome to my weather podcast. Each week, I talk about current weather, provide a forecast for the weekend and beyond, and give you more details about an interesting weather phenomenon. It's Friday, March 18th, and let's talk about the weather. Spring starts this Sunday, March 20th, but meteorological spring has already reached the Northwest with slowly rising temperatures and certainly the end of the lowland snow season. Today is going to be showery in Western Washington with highs in the lower 50s, and in Eastern Washington, it will be dry. Temperatures will get up to the mid 60s. Uh, you know, th- especially throughout the Columbia Basin. So they're already starting to warm in eastern Washington. Now, a cold front is approaching, and it's going to come through early Saturday morning, and that's going to bring more showers. Uh, snow levels will be low enough, so at the past level up, they'll have definite snow uh, with as much as 6 to 12 inches. Now, as the cold front moves through, there'll be a convergence zone over western Washington, and temperatures on Saturday will be noticeably cooler, with highs in the upper 40s at best. Some places won't even get much above the uh, the mid-40s. Now, Sunday will start off drying, so if you want to do something outside, Sunday morning in the west is probably when you want to be out. Uh, but then, another atmospheric river, that plume of moisture coming out of the subtropics, will start pushing into the region later on Sunday and Monday. Now, this river should bring substantial precipitation to the region, um, half an inch to an inch in in the lowlands, and up to three to five inches in the mountains. There will be snow at higher elevations, but the trouble with atmospheric rivers is they're typically warm, and so snow level will probably rise to 4,000 to 5,000 feet. Now, Tuesday is going to be a transitional day. There'll still be some showers. But then, as we get out of Tuesday into Wednesday and Thursday, high pressure will build in over the eastern Pacific, and I expect much warmer conditions on both sides of the Cascades on Wednesday and Thursday, with highs getting to around 60, maybe even low 60s in western Washington, and mid-70s in the west. That will feel like spring. Thanks for listening to the forecast. Weather doesn't end with the forecast. Now let's talk about the special weather topic of the week. I get a lot of questions about TV weather forecasts. All the folks that communicate weather on TV, are they real meteorologists? How good are these media forecasts? And who do I watch? Well, maybe I won't answer that question. Let me give you some insights into broadcast meteorology, and that's based on on my many decades in training and working with folks in that field. I've had a lot of interactions with with TV weathercasters. So the first question, are the folks that do weather on TV meteorologists? The answer, as I'm going to tell you, is that only about half the TV weather folks are what I'd call real meteorologists. Now, how do I define a real meteorologist? Well, I'll define it, and a lot of people do define it, as someone with at least a bachelor's degree in atmospheric sciences and meteorology, some, you know, real solid training in the field. 
Now, recent surveys find that only about 50% of TV weather presenters have degrees in the subject. The rest have either no background, maybe a communications background, or have taken some short courses with relatively low levels of mathematics. And a good example of that is the certificate program from Mississippi State University. Now, those without degrees are perhaps better called weathercasters rather than meteorologists. So that's the, probably the term you should use. Uh, in general, degree meteorolog- meteorologists tend to fill the weekday slots, particularly during the evenings, with those with less background on during the weekends and early mornings. But there are exceptions to this, so we, you know, it, that's not always true. But I need to be careful here. There are some folks without degrees in meteorology that have done absolutely exceptional work, and they've gained background by informal study of the discipline, uh, great experience, and often great talent in communication. There is perhaps no better example of such an individual than Steve Poole, the legendary Como TV weathercaster, who spent years of informal study and who was one of the most skillful, charismatic communicators I've ever seen. Now, many long-term weathercasters also have developed intimate knowledge in the meteorology of the local region, particularly places they've been for a long time. A really good example of this is Harry Wappler, who was was on Cairo TV for many years, and I was always impressed by his knowledge of local weather here in the Northwest. Now, another question you might ask, how good are TV weather forecasts? Well, to answer the question, I had several of my Atmospheric Sciences 101 students monitor the TV weather uh, broadcasts over an extended period of time, and then they verified the forecasts. And we also compared the TV weathercasters forecast to that of the National Weather Service as well. And here's the interesting bottom line. Most TV weather folks don't stray far from National Weather Service predictions. By the way, after I did this work, it got in the Seattle Times, and then one of the local TV weather people was upset with me, and I got called into the chairman's office, so that was kind of unpleasant. Anyway, the bottom line is TV weather folks tend not to stray very far from the National Weather Service, which actually makes good sense in many ways. Now, what about the background of uh, of meteorologists on national weather forecasting uh, outlets like the Weather Channel? And from my study of their website and knowledge of several of the people there, uh, it appears that, that somewhat over half of them have degrees in meteorology. There's some that just have degrees in communication, but the majority have degrees in meteorology there. Um, you will know. You will also notice that on some TV weathercasts, there are some kind of seals of, of approval, professional seals of approval. Now, I'll give you an example of this, and I want to tell you what this means. Uh, the American Meteorological Society as a certified broadcast meteorologist program. They have a certification that sometimes you'll see on air when people have it. This requires a degree in meteorology and several years of experience, 
and they also have to submit example of their broadcasts. So these people with the AMS certifi- certification have a degree in, in, in meteorology. Now, there are other groups that provide certification. You'll see this on air sometimes, like the National Weather Association. You'll see this NWA on some broadcasts. But their seal of approval does not require a degree, but requires an exam showing basic competency in, in, in important concepts and submission of broadcast samples to make sure they're doing a good job. Now, most broadcast meteorologists today are multimodal. And by, by that I mean they not only do things on air, but almost all of them also blog, they tweet, and they do Facebook posts. Quite frankly, uh, being a broadcast meteorologist is far more challenging today than it was before in the sense that you have to be constantly communicating in multiple media, and you also have to do online as well. Now let's look at a little bit of history here. TV meteorology used to be one of the key ways people got weather information. In fact, probably the key way. But things had changed. Online access to weather information now dominates. And the viewership of TV weather broadcasts has dropped precipitously. It is perhaps 20% of what it was 30 years ago in terms of percentage of population. But I do still believe there is an important role for TV weathercasters. Human beings are hardwired to get information from other humans. Facial expressions and tone tell a lot about the seriousness of a threat. Humans can put weather situations in perspective or express alarm in terms of their expressions at extreme weather situations. Humans can communicate to humans the wonder and beauty of the atmosphere above. And so as with teaching, communication is often best done when we can see and hear each other. And I think there should always be a role for weathercasting with real humans, either through broadcast channels, TV stations, or through online approaches. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Feel free to send me your questions or any topics you would like me to cover. This podcast will be available every Friday morning on my blog and major podcast platforms. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to use the Patreon link on my blog. See you next time.